And I came out of uh, large commercial scale uh, restorations of parks and, and uh, engineered soil systems and got burned out at the end of that <clears throat> just due to the fact that <clears throat> I'd spend X amount of time, you know, getting the biology up to where it needed to be and the keys over to the owner, the new manager, and then go right back to salts. And I was just like, why am I doing this? What is, what is the purpose? What is the point? Exactly. And it got so bad that, you know, some of these I was doing, you know, helping permit these, you know, mega mansions on these sensitive watersheds, selling the town and all these different committees that, Hey, you know, this is hundred percent organic. We're not using any synthetics, no, no pesticides whatsoever. And they, you know, opened the friggin' door and let me, you know, just pretty much run whatever I wanted to. But problem was after when I turned the keys over to the new homeowner, um, I said to them, you know, make sure you use an organic uh, uh, landscaper company and uh, please tell them that, you know, I'm the one that's going to be treating the fertility. They just here to, you know, cut, blow and go. And often I'd come pull up to make a compost extract and I'd see, you know, five guys jump out of a van with backpack sprays. I'd be like, whoa, 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 what are you guys spraying? Well, we're spraying fungicides because there's a few mushrooms around. I'm like, that's because they're over irrigating, not because we have a problem. So they'd set me back like nine months in one day. And so it was like, you know, fuck this. I don't care how much money you're paying. Me. I, this is not what I'm doing. You know, this isn't what I'm doing it for. I'm not doing it to, to make money. I'm doing it to you know fix, start fixing some of the problems that we have, especially in the residential uh, areas that are pretty much on all these sensitive watersheds. So then I drifted into the cannabis industry um, and that was back, you know, whew, 17 and it was still booming back then. I mean, it wasn't fantastic, but it was still very lucrative business to be involved in. And like you said, once the money left, the common sense left, everybody left. And yeah. the only people that were left were the big players that were focused purely on money and, they didn't give a shit about you know plant itself. So yeah, that's it, it was it was frustrating to see what could have been a really beautiful thing. And you know, in many ways, I truly believe that cannabis was going to be that plant that changed big ag because when they saw what we could do and the savings that we could create and the way we could better steward the soil, it's no-brainer to, to do it way but you know since then the the demise of the cannabis industry has pretty much not opened the eyes of big ag in a way that i would have hoped it could have um, but anyway that was a tangent I <laughs> well, well we're uh, uh we're still working on that uh, uh on that side you know uh you know uh, i get uh, contacted by uh the ag people who purchase from bioag all the time asking about what's this stuff they heard about that they're using on these cannabis farms so uh you know, we're getting there. It's just a slow, slow process to get to, you know, into that, you know, you know how ag is, you know, that, you know, the, I thought uh, uh, working with cannabis farmers that they were stubborn. And then I got introduced. Then I got to go to an ag show. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing it this way for 30 years and we exactly. know what we're doing. <laughs> exactly. You know, what we run into at BioAg more often than not is, you know, it's the grandson. It's the third generation or the fourth you know, granddad and dad have been killing the soil with chemicals. Great granddad used to be all organic. You know, his yields were, uh, you know, uh, you know, getting uh, 120 bushels per acre. They were getting something crazy like 180 with their chemicals. We're down to 80. 
how do we get back to granddad? Because his was quality was better, and you know we don't want to buy seed every year, and we you know don't want to buy fertilizer every year. How do we get back to what we, what he was doing that regenerative agriculture that everyone did pre World War II? Mm-hmm. You know that it was fear. It was fear of not being able to produce enough. That fear is over. You know the only thing we're doing by promoting uh, so much nitrogen into the soils is uh, uh, you know causing more global warming, ruining the soils, and wasting money on a large scale. There's far easier ways to get there, and there's far more cost-effective ways to get there. They're going to help everyone. It's just, you know, like you said, it's you know screaming at the wall. Yeah, yeah, I know that all too well. I have a client, um, a corn bean and corn farmer down in uh, Illinois, who took the leap of faith because of the cost of nitrogen uh, back when the Ukrainian war started. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Otherwise, I'm not sure he would have completely committed, but he dove in and, and he did really well the first year um, with just one application of fish brew. And when we sat down and did the numbers, his his cost per bushel was like 25 cents versus a dollar fifty. And I'm like, why can't you tell the farmers, look, look at my numbers and look at what I spent? I mean, that should be enough to turn anybody on a dime. I mean, that's literally, you know, 7x savings. Well, he goes, farmers, uh, they don't look at the cost per bushel. They only care about the bushels per acre. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter if you're, at the end of the day, everybody's here to earn money. We're not here to, to, to do anything other than earn money. So if, you're, if you can earn seven times more with half the work, or less than half the work, why wouldn't they? And he goes, no, they never talk about money. They don't care how much it costs them. All they want to do is brag about how many bushels per acre they have. Yep. That's that's where I hit the wall, dude. Like I I, I didn't know how to take that any further with, with you know the local farms around him. Uh, maybe you can figure out a way to to break that mold. Uh, we're working on it. You know, it's just slowly uh, you know slowly getting them there. You know, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, slowly as people convert over to this, you know, like a, a great example uh, is a gentleman I introduced Nate to uh, last year uh, named German Tom, and he does about 100,000 acres of no-till in Germany, and uh, uh, he only buys four products for his entire farm, molasses, uh, silica, humic acid, and humic acid fortified with uh, uh, micronutrients. So three stuff from bioag and molasses. Everything else comes from the pigs and the ground and the mushrooms it produces. You know, and everything is no-till, so he does rotating cover crops, you know, and that takes care of any uh, issues he has. And, you know, frankly, he's got some of those amazing uh, 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 compost piles and compost teas I've ever seen, you know. Uh, but uh, it's uh, slowly turning people on to these uh, programs and, you know, educating them. You know, you don't have to spend this money, you know, and you can get a lot more out of it by adding animals and back with it. You know, that's the answer to all of those large-scale programs.